We are a blessed church to have so many with so much talent to uh, lead us in the worship of our God, and I am uh, thankful for them. Merry Christmas again. It's going to be a short one. Normally I wear a suit on Christmas. I decided to skip that, but I just want you to know I am wearing festive socks. Love that song that Darnisha just sang. I love all the Christmas songs. That's a more recent one, but I love it because someone sat down and decided to write down some questions. Mary, did you know? It's a, great, it's a, it's a, it's a worthwhile question. Mary, did you understand that when you kiss the face of your baby, you are kissing the face of God himself? Mary, did you know? Now we can assume, uh, because if we've read our Bibles, it, it tells us there that, that Mary did have an inkling as to who she was giving birth to. In fact, the, the miraculous nature of her pregnancy was the beginning of her understanding. And then an, an angel uh, uh, confirmed it to her and her cousin confirmed it to her. And then an angel visited her, her fiance, Joseph, and, and that angel confirmed it to him. And then on the night that Jesus was actually born, the skies opened. An angel visits some shepherds in a field outside of Bethlehem, and, and the angel announces the birth of Jesus Christ, for unto you is born today in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Go see! You'll find him wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And then, just as we've heard tonight, the, the heavens opened up in song. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill towards men. And she had a clue. She had a sense and an understanding of who this, this baby was going to be. But like so many throughout the history of the 2,000 years that have proceeded forward from that Christmas morning, um, she tended to forget. I mean, the, the mother of Jesus uh, sometimes had, had a hard time seeing the forest for the trees. It tells us in, in Mark chapter 3, Jesus has um, uh, been, you know, Growing up and has gotten to the age of about 30 and he comes out of the woods, his cousin John baptizes him. Uh, he's a, a, a appointed again and anointed again as the savior of the world. God's voice booms from the heavens. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. He starts teaching and doing miracles and, and people are following him everywhere he goes. He gathers 12 uh, disciples to himself and in Mark chapter 3 it tells us right after he had done that he went back home for a quick dinner. And it was so crazy and chaotic around Jesus that he couldn't even like put fork to mouth. That's how much people wanted to be around him and see him. And when this news got back to his family, the Bible tells us that his family went to Jesus and tried, get this, tried to seize him. Because the Bible says his family thought he had lost his mind. It was the first Baker Act. <laughs> they, they, they were trying to rescue him from his his own megalomania, his own craziness. In John chapter 7, it tells us a little bit later in his story that his own brothers did not believe that he was who he said he was. That's not as hard to believe. Anybody here got a brother? Can anybody picture their brother being the son of God? Yeah, just as much as, as, as the, the message had been clear, the message can get shrouded and we can lose it in the shadows. Like even at Christmas, right? Like this, this occasion that throughout the years has marked the birth of the Savior of the world has become so much else, right? 
And listen, I'm not down on the other stuff. I love the other stuff, gifts and trees. And I mean, I, everybody's got their own traditions. In fact, I'm one of the traditions for some of you. It's good to see you again. How's it going? <laughs> it's great to have you. And I don't, mean, I don't mean to be a jerk when I say that. I'm just saying that there's just certain traditions that surround the Christmas season. You're, you're, this might be step one for some of you, and you're going to go off. Well, I'll just show you our families. This is the Saunders uh, Christmas tradition bag right here, right? So as uh, Eleanor and I got married and we started having our kids and stuff, certain things just kept popping up at Christmas. The first one was a church service like this, and in almost every one of the church services, someone would hand us an incendiary device. We don't do that anymore for insurance purposes. Uh, but at the end of that service, um, we sing Silent Night. Guess what's going to happen tonight, kids? We're going to sing Silent Night. And then as we uh, uh, got older uh, and our kids you know, were of an age where they could appreciate it, we threw them in the minivan after that service was done, and we would go to the, to the rich part of town where everybody paid to put lights on their, on their houses, and, uh, and we would go see the lights. Anybody going to go see some lights after this, right? Yeah, the last service probably more than you guys. But uh, I, I've seen these on people's necks every year around Christmas time. I don't know why I haven't got one of these yet. Check this out. This is the seizure setting. Everybody ready? And then this is the club setting, right? And then this is the over 50 setting. There it is right there. But we'd go see the lights. When we were done seeing the lights, we'd head back home. And when we got home, I don't know who you are as a family, but uh, we were a Christmas Eve, one gift, and then Christmas Day, the rest of the gifts. Some of you guys open them all the, on Christmas Eve. Some of you wait till all on Christmas morning. Uh, but we get a little taste. This is an actual gift from beneath my tree. It's to me from my daughter, Kai. And uh, I'll probably open this on Christmas Eve. This is, this is the one gift I'll open. The rest will come the next morning. But before we get to the rest of the gifts, uh, we've got to have the traditional meals. Who family, whose family has like traditional foods at Christmas? If you went backstage right now and saw all the food that this worship team brought in, uh, I, don't, I can't believe I'm not in a diabetic coma right now. <laughs> but on Christmas morning, here's the deal. I'm having me a bowl of these. <laughs> now some of you say ooh, and rightly so. There's no food in this food, just so you're clear. But when I was five years old, my mom, who had always given us, um, you know, cereal that uh, was from a bag and resembled Cheerios, does anybody know what I'm talking about? Um, she just decided on Christmas Eve to give us a special treat, and it was Fruit Loops. And every year since, 45 years, a bowl of these on Christmas morning. Uh, yeah, thank you. Oh, thank you. Whatever. Anyway, uh, Uh, after that's over, I don't know what you do with the rest of your Christmas day, but I'll tell you what's going to happen in the Saunders house. Eleanor and I are putting on the house clothes. Does anybody have house clothes? These are my house pants. They're loose fitting and super comfy. These are my house shoes. And I'm going to spend the rest of my Christmas doing absolutely nothing. Merry Christmas, right? Thank you. I may take a phone call or two from a family member. Uh, we'll try to fit in a few of the movies, Elf probably this year. Uh, but that's our traditions, and there's nothing wrong with those traditions. Go enjoy yours. But as so often is the case in life, the stuff of the world squeezes out the stuff of heaven. Uh, the half-truths of the things that we experience, the shadows that we see, 
block out the light and the full truth of the reason behind the season. You know, if, if it wasn't for Christmas, tomorrow would just be Wednesday. But we make this fuss. And then the fuss, I know many of us here, good Christian folk that we are, we're like, we understand, it's about a baby. It's about a child who was born. I even know who he is. But here's my question as we finish this year and head into the next. How well do you know this baby that you know? How well are you in step with this Savior that we celebrate this day? Some of you are and you're, you're kind of familiar with the story, but you've never personally met Jesus at all. Just like the song asks, Mary, did you know? I'm asking you, do you know? Do you know this Jesus that we sing of today? I was uh, getting ready to talk to you guys and I stumbled on a website that showed me uh, a reminder of a, of a freshman year philosophy class. Anybody remember Plato? It's that gooey stuff you can make. No, it, Plato, Plato was a Greek philosopher and, and uh, uh, Plato was famous for this one particular uh, stream of thought called the cave. He, he sat down and he said, hey, um, a picture three guys um, basically strapped to a boulder inside a cave. All they could see is the back wall. There's a fire lit behind them, and, and they spend their entire life walking or watching as, as things walk past the light of the fire, and their shadows are cast on the back wall. They see animals and people, and, and uh, they play games around that, and they, uh, they, they, they make their discoveries and, and, and give their labels, but that's all they see. And then one day, uh, one of the men is, is released from the cave, and he's allowed to go out from where he's been sat, and he's able to see those actual forms, the animals whose shadows had been cast, the people whose voices had been heard but never seen. And he comes back excitedly into the cave, and he says, you guys, you guys, we've got to get out of here. There's so much more. But the other two who were strapped to the boulder said, no, 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 no. Get away from us. We have our shadows, and that's all we want. Philosophers have debated the meanings of this, but certainly at the very base, um, there's this understanding that in life, uh, Plato, not a Christian, in life there's, there's so much more that we see shadows and forms and shapes, but there's so much more to reality than we normally take in. Paul picked up on this idea, and actually in this one particular pa uh, passage in Scripture in 1 Corinthians 13, some scholars believe he was actually addressing this platonic thought. He was saying, listen, when I was a child, I, I spoke as a child, I, I thought as a child, I, uh, I, I, I deduced as a child, but then I became a man, and when I became a man, I put away childish things, and I, and I understood. It's almost as if he's saying, listen, I used to live in the shadows. I used to live with just, you know... Vague understandings of, of truth and reality. But now that I've met Jesus, I've set aside those lesser things and, I, and I've, I've understood the truth. He goes, now we look into a mirror dimly. He's even talking about this, this phase of life where he's, he's at now as a, as a Christian. He says, it's like looking in a mirror dimly. And in those days, mirrors were not very HD, right? Like, like they, they, were, they were usually just, you know, polished up and shined up, kind of matte uh, metal finish. And, and you could see yourself, but not real great. And he says, that's where we are now. And we, when we think of God, we have, even in, in what we do know about him, we don't have everything. But someday we will see him, he says, face to face. How cool is that going to be? So I'm, I'm wondering, first of all, have you seen him at all? 
And then as you've gone on in life with Christ, are you seeing him more clearly? And I want to finish this by reminding you uh, who we're dealing with, who this Jesus is, who was born on this day. This, this infant that we celebrate is infinite as God. Paul goes uh, uh, on to write letters uh, to other churches besides Corinth. He writes to his place called Col- Colossae, and his friends in Colossae, the Colossians, he says this to him. He says, the son, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. Chapter 1, verse 15. Uh, he's the firstborn over all of creation. He goes on and he says this. He says, uh, uh, that's what I just said, but then, uh, for in him all things are created, things in heaven and things on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him. Pause. Everything's been created through him. You see something? It's, it may not have it literally, but it should be signed Jesus. You know, if you see an artwork, uh, the, 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 the creator, the painter, the, the artist signs his name at the bottom. Everything you see, signed by Jesus. The sin has made a mess of some of the things that he created, but when he created them, they were good. And in him, through him, all things are created. But what it says next, it says in, in, uh, in, in uh, verse 16, if you can go back for me, um, it says, uh, all things have been created through him, and then get this, everything has been created for him. So here's what that means. Even if you don't believe in him, you are still created for him. He made you for himself. Sin has separated you from him and his father, but but we're going to talk about that in a second. He, he created you because he loved you and, and he wanted to have life with you. You were created for him. He's the owner, not just the creator, but he's the owner. And then finally, he's the sustainer. Look at what it says in verse 17. He is before all things. He's eternal. He doesn't exist in time. And in him, all things hold together. He's the sustainer of all things. So listen, if something good happens tomorrow, you get what you want underneath the tree. Our Savior, Jesus Christ, is the creator, the owner, and the sustainer or maker of all things, all good things. They're held together by him. It says in verse 19 that God was pleased to have his fullness dwell in him. There it was. I finally tripped. The fullness of God himself is in Christ himself. Jesus is God. He's not some tempered version, some half man, half God hybrid. He is God all the way. And because he is God, he is awesome in power. The prophet Isaiah said, uh, on his shoulders will be all the governance, and his name will be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. That's a good resume. That's who we have in Christ. He's an all-powerful, awesome, amazing God. But he didn't just come to show off, to to, to show out that everything is created by me and for me and, and, and I'm the sustainer of all things and the fullness of God is in me. He came with a very express purpose and here it is. If you haven't heard it, hear it again or for the first time, here it comes. He came because we need a savior. 
It says in verse 20, it says, Jesus uh, was brought that through him all things could be reconciled, whether things on earth or things in heaven, the material and the spiritual, by making peace through his blood, which was shed on the cross. So Jesus is God, the creator, the owner, and the sustainer of all things. But he comes to earth, he humbles himself, becomes nothing, born and laid in a manger, born to peasants who couldn't even afford the proper sacrifices at the temple uh, to mark uh, his arrival. He grows up in anonymity. He dies in disgrace, and all of it is scripted by the Heavenly Father so that you and I, through faith in him, might receive eternal life. He came to reconcile, to bring back to whole, to pay the debt that every one of us has because of our sin. And so my question as we close tonight is person attending the Christmas Eve service at Bay Life Church, do you know? Do you know him as your Lord and Savior? I pray that tonight you'll give yourself the best Christmas gift that could ever be given on the face of the earth. And you'll put your faith in Christ and receive from him the forgiveness of sins. But if you are here and you've made that choice, will you with me make a covenant to go further in your knowledge and understanding and your appreciation and your faith and dependence on him this year? To make the mirror's image brighter, to understand him more fully, and to walk with him more completely. That's my prayer for us. Let me pray it right now. God in heaven, uh, we rejoice in your, your son's arrival. We, we, uh, we've been waiting, you know, through the season of Advent, uh, uh, but we are so blessed to live in this age, uh, uh, this age that comes after his arrival. We know that he's coming again and, uh, and that we have much to look forward to. Those who are uh, in faith, trusting in him to save them, we have much to look forward to in, in the life that... Uh, uh, that uh, we have to receive from him. Uh, but Lord, my prayer for all of us simply is this, that if we don't know you and your son Jesus, that we'd meet you and we'd trust you and we'd be saved by you. That if we do know you, we'd go further into you and we'd recognize what we have in you. Be our wonderful counselor, our mighty God. Be our everlasting father and be our prince of peace. We love you, Lord. Thanks for loving us for doing everything that you've done for us because of your love. We don't deserve it, but you choose to give it. Thanks for that blessed, silent night that was broken by the cries of your son. And his arrival, God, marked the beginning of life and the end of the separation that sin brings between us and you. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And then he told you about the candles, which are at the end of your aisles on this side. They're in bags. If everybody would just grab one of those, pass it down the aisle. We're going to do what I said we were going to do just a few minutes ago. We're going to finish this night celebrating our Savior, standing in this room, holding up these lights. Grateful for the light who has come, this light who is Jesus our Savior 
and our Lord. Will you stand with me? Lord, help thy 
Merry Christmas. We're going to finish by taking your lights back from you. Thank you very much. You can leave them at the doors as you go, but would you please, on behalf of us all here at Bay Life Church, have a very Merry Christmas, an incredible new year, and may Christ be at the center of it all as you go. God bless you. See you next time. <laughs>